Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all identifications, it's time for the Battle Hymnal. I am Nathan Lawrence, one of your hosts, and welcome to everyone's favorite, uh, well, I say everyone, but most people's favorite UGA-focused film breakdown show. I am joined today by my uh, intrepid co-host, first our producer and analyst, Josh Hancher at dog underscore stats. Say hello, Josh. Good evening, good dogs. Good evening and good dogs to you. And also by Graham, uh, Graham Coffee of Dog Sports fame. Say hello, Graham. Hello. So we are here today to break down uh, the latest. No, 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 no. You're here to take your victory lap. Just don't do the, you know, come on. Get there. We'll get there. All right, all right, We're here to break down the Mississippi State versus Georgia game. That breakdown will consist of approximately 20% play analysis and 80 percent uh graham and i just <laughs> spiking the ball rob Gronkowski style we uh, were correct. yeah we i'm wrong a lot like most of the time about most things i'm wrong um so i was very right we were very right about this and we were not just right about what would what was going to happen we were right about how it was going to happen and look, we're going to probably get like the next eight things we predict incorrect. So yeah, just exactly. let us have this. Let us <laughs> exactly. have this one because exactly. we're not going to get, we're going to get a lot of them really wrong. Um, so just let us do, let us yeah. have this moment. So, I mean, I, I predicted us to beat Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were over exactly. your skis on that one a little bit as we like to say. I mean, right? I, I, I thought we were going to beat South Carolina last year. So you were, you're really not going to get any worse than that. Um, so we got a, there's a lot to talk about, some good, some bad. Um, you know, the, I mean, I think there's no reason to bury the lead here or pretend that there's any there's anything other than one story of the hour, which is JT Daniels. So, um, you know, Graham and I have we said on our JT Daniels preview show that we thought that he was going to have he was going to be good. We thought that he was talented. We thought we hadn't ha- seen this much talent in under center for Georgia in maybe several years. Um, and you know, it's one game, but. I would say that he validated what we said. So uh, what, I, what I think we're going to look at tonight is not just like what he did, but the specifics of what JT Daniels did against Mississippi State that we think uh, is good news for the future and also that we think fits in with what we'd said previously. Um, so Graham, do you want to just like, let's just get right into this. Let's cue some plays. You want to give us a play to cue? Yeah, uh, let's check out um, clip six to george pickens yeah this is a great play and this is not like you know the the home run ball um but i think it shows an understanding of the offense and an ability to really excel in a read-based offense particularly um so we have what looks like uh an rpo here and daniels is going to motion zeus to his hip he sees the blitz pulls it and just hits Pickens. You know, he also sees that Pickens has a huge amount of cushion. And I think that's been a huge frustration for us on this show. And I'm sure a lot of Georgia fans this year is just that George Pickens, when healthy, has been open a lot. Um, and, and we haven't been getting the ball to him. And if a guy is going to back up to a eight-yard cushion on first and 10 before the ball is even snapped and then backpedal out, off the snap, then you have to take advantage of that. And I had a buddy that texted me in the, I think the first quarter, maybe early second quarter of the game. and was like, we should throw to Pickens 
until they cover it, and then we should throw to someone else. And basically, that's what we did. We threw to Pickens until they covered it, and then we threw to Jermaine Burton when they started shading defenders towards Pickens. So uh, a lot to like there. What did you see, Nathan? I mean, a couple of things. One, um, it's not a very hard play action. Part of that is because it's kind of a high snap. But I, I do think that this is an RPO, um, and I think it's actually a side adjustment from Pickens to go into the, I guess, the curl there or the mm-hmm. um, that sort of in-breaking route because you can see that when he does it that um, uh, you can see that Pickens is actually looking in all the way up to the snap as the A-gap blitz is coming in. And um, that to me looks like just good option route work. We, we kind of have talked about the two-man game uh, in our pre-production quite a bit where it's just, you know, you see something and if both guys see something and you can deliver the ball, you can have success. And I mean, Georgia, it's no, there's no secret to it that, you know, Georgia didn't run the ball well, but a lot of that was because of stuff like that. If the, there aren't a lot of offenses that run the ball well in the face of eight man fronts and double a gaps and stunts and pinches, there just aren't, I mean, it's not going to happen. We have nine guys in the box and that's how you beat run blitzes, right? That's how you beat in, interior blitzes is side adjustments. And um, I, again, not to like spike the ball even more, but like this was what we said is the advantage of the Todd Munkin offense, right? When it's working, you have an answer. You th- throw the ball to where they aren't. And they are, and you put the ball where they aren't. Throw it, pass it, whatever. Shovel pit, it doesn't matter. The right. ball goes to where there, there aren't people. And and I think, uh, I think one of the things we saw was that this is like, when you have, I, I'm going to use a strained basketball analogy. Like Georgia has had a lot of point guards that are pretty good at distributing the ball, but Georgia has not had anybody that can also score 30, right? Or hit free, uh, or hit free throws. Or hit free throws, or just like we can't go real off. Do, do, not, do not feed me Georgia basketball. I will go to a dark. Well, dark no, play. I mean, like, <laughs> not even, not even Georgia basketball, but like, no like one. we have. We have a lot. We've had a lot of good distributors, right? And uh, yeah, he he. What we saw from JT yesterday was that I, I say that like I know. What we saw <laughs> from the quarterback position at Georgia yesterday was not just distribution, but like yeah, uh, we, an understanding of the game and and j- making plays happen that could not be happened with replacement level quarterback play. Yes, right? and, absolutely. Uh, and that was happening in kind of all facets of the game. Um, all right, can we twenty six? You want to do twenty yeah, six? Can we do, do twenty six? Yeah, that's actually yep. the one I wanted to do. Um, do you want Graham? Um, I'll break this down and then Graham, if you want to go. This is yeah. just the first. This is the first touchdown to Burton. Think about this play: is it's just, I mean, he throws, he throws to the right spot over the guy's head, and on like on its face, it's not the most impressive throw of the night from him, but it, it's just a completion to an open receiver where the ball came out on time, right? And that was sort of one of the themes of the night was. Uh, timing and vision from him. He saw that Burton was just going to run by the guy, and you can see he uh, forty-two or the linebacker doesn't really pick him up, so it's Burton against a safety. But there's two guys in the zone with the safety, and he sees that the safety picks. You can see the safety picks Pickens on the outside, and he just throws it over, uh, throws it over their heads to Burton. And it was one of those things where uh, this is a really good example of a play where at that moment, if we run it one more time here. You know, at the moment that Burton runs through that zone and uh, I think it's 40 passes him off. And now there's two guys in that safety zone. Right. You know, like the, the opposite side, number 12 is not going to roll over fast enough for that to happen. I mean, and that that was just I mean, I don't know if you I, I, do you have anything to add to this, Graham? Well, I think we saw it a lot on the night and we have some other clips that will illustrate it as well. But 
he does a exceptional job of finding the spaces between safeties and linebackers. Um, and I mean, my, the way that I saw that play was like the moment that Burton cleared that linebacker and that linebacker had his back turned, like it was go for Daniels. And he kind of shifted out to the left a little bit to, to create a, a better throwing lane for that ball. Um, in general, we saw a lot of that though. Like he, he's not a particularly mobile running threat, but he moves really, really well in the pocket. And especially for a guy coming off an surgery, playing his first game in like fourteen or fifteen months, he has exceptional footwork, and he's always keeping his eyes downfield. And I think on that play, it was just a really good job by him of waiting for Burton to to clear that linebacker that was kind of sitting there in that cover two zone. And then the other receivers on the route kind of occupied the safeties enough to, to create that hole in the end zone. But I liked where like he threw that ball kind of up high um, and let Burton go get it. And it was, I know this is a kind of oxymoronic, but like it was a, it was a hard pass, but it was also a touch pass at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think we see that a lot from him over the course of the game is like there's a really good feel for throwing a catchable, deliverable ball that, that is in a yeah. receiver wants it. Yeah, if you look at the arc, like the, the variety of launch angles that he did were pretty impressive. Uh, what's our next one we have here? 32. Uh, yeah, let's look at 32. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking absolutely. of launch angles. Yeah. So this is just a a quick little catch to Kyrus on third and third and six, I believe it was. But what I want you to watch here with Daniels is watch his head at the snap. He comes all the way over from the left. I'm pretty sure whatever receiver was at the top was his primary target on that play. And he works through his progressions really, really quick. And Jackson also does a really good job of just sitting down when he found space. And I thought that was, the other really encouraging part about this, like we're all going to rave about JT Daniels and rightfully so, but the fact that, yeah, cause he's looking up top at Pickens here and then he comes over and looks at the slot receiver. Um, oh, yeah. and he has a 10 yard cushion. You know, yeah. Yeah. Safety. He, was played yeah, off he, he, he totally took advantage of this, this cushion. He found the guy that was going to get it be the most wide open. Right. right. You know, but the other part about it is that like he, he sat and waited and he he also like he probably recognized that before the snap, but he had enough eye discipline to to keep his head over on the other side of the field and keep yeah, that you can, you can dip, Yeah, you can see him over here at the top of the screen. It's kinda of hard on this replay, but yeah, he's looking he's looking look, looking left, looking left, turns bam and finds him just you know, it's awesome. You know, I was watching this game at hundred miles an hour because I was working last night. But this is one of those plays I said, you know, even even watching cutting up tape, I was like, that that was exciting to see uh, yeah. that that play. The other exciting part about that play to me, too, was that we had Darnell Washington lined up on the outside as the as X receiver, which mm-hmm. I think also just stresses defenses and puts defenders into conflict because no DB. I mean, number 13 there for Mississippi State. Washington has about six inches, seven inches on him. And so automatically a good safety is going to look at that and he's going to want to shade over to the side and and give him some help. So it just creates more space for more guys, which I think we've talked about 
you know, almost ad nauseum at this point, Todd Mocken is really good at creating those spaces. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's hit another one. I mean, there's no reason to stop. Let's let's. Uh, what's our next? What's our next sequence here? Uh, Forty six. Do you want to take oh, this? Oh gosh. One? Yeah. This sure. Is, yeah. Yeah. Both of our favorite plays from the night. Yeah. This is. Uh, there was there's a play a few or later a few plays later uh, the touchdown to the almost touchdown to Pickens but other than that play this was the play where I was like uh, J T Daniels like I mean at the base level okay so just just keep this running because I got a wax repsodic here for a second at the base level the question come with J T Daniels outside of health was were evaluators wrong right ultimately is was he really you know, the five-star kid that he looked like in high school who went 15-0 and and won the high school national championship. And this is a throw where you see, yes, this is a throw where he's got a guy in his face. The blitz pickup from uh, Cook is fine, but not great. And, you know, he basically pump fakes number 40 into just absolutely standing stock still, uh, steps up from the blitz, and then throws it over everyone's head and catch, uh, completes a first down. And just the combination of freezing both linebackers with his eyes who were dropping into coverage, right? Then then really catching them flat-footed uh, with the pump fake and then stepping up in front of the blitz. Like, this is a play that, like, most college quarterbacks don't make that play. No. Right? Like, and, 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 and then delivering a dime from a weird... I mean, he was... He delivered a lot of uh, balls accurately, and this is a really good view of it. You know, great, like, fooled the camera, and then he just flicks it. Like, that's not even really... A, he. He has some weird mechanics. Like he gets very open. He's almost like a pitcher. Like he faces where he's throwing a lot sometimes, but like he has the arm strength that like when he kind of steps up into it and, you know, Ben Cleveland's about to step on him and he just sort of flips it over. Like that wasn't a full body throw. He couldn't reset fully and just kind of flips it over three guys. Right. And a, that's a batter ball with Stetson Bennett, not because that's Bennett short, but because he doesn't deliver a ball with that much accuracy. But I mean, B, after all of this sort of movement in the pocket and all the things that go right, he also just delivers maybe a little bit too inside to Pickens, but like an absolute rope that's catchable to where it needed to be. And yeah. and that's, I the, I just got to emphasize, there are like four guys who can do that in college football right now. And yeah. two of them are Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And I guess, you know, uh, Kyle Trask, maybe. Never heard um, of him. But like... I- we don't think Justin Fields can do that. Um, We're not going. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. well, no, no. All right, like, all right. Horrible quarterback, but like that's that's not part of his skill set, and that's not really part of what Ohio State does on offense. Which you know, somewhat besides the point. But the thing that I really want to stress here is that like Georgia has an elite quarterback. Not a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Georgia has an elite level quarterback with the skill set of a Heisman Trophy winner, the skill set, a number one overall NFL draft pick. And I wrote an article late last night on Dog Sports because I rewatched this game because I was having a really hard time like internalizing and processing the fact that I just saw that performance from the quarterback position at UGA. And the, the conclusion here for me, and I think the big takeaway from this game, and like we can talk about the run blocking, we can talk about a lot of shit, and we'll we'll get into some of it. But the the glass ceiling that's kind of existed over the Kirby Smart era at UGA, where you play this 
this style of football that has a really thin margin of error. And if one of your defensive backs or one of your linebackers or somebody has a bad day and there's a couple busted coverages, you're all of a sudden out of the game because you just can't score with other people at that rate. That glass ceiling was shattered last night with him on the field. And I don't expect us yeah. from a you know an aired out kind of offense, but I do think with Daniels at the helm that Georgia can win games in a lot more ways than they have been able to at any other point in the Kirby Smart era, and that's really exciting. Right, well, I mean, and we're we're about to watch this last touchdown, and and I want to throw a stat at you that this is from Richard Johnson on Twitter, uh, one of the few Florida fans that I'll follow. Uh, in five games, Stetson Bennett uh, threw 275 yards on passes deeper than 20 yards, right? Last night, St- uh, JT Daniels two for, threw for 232 yards on passes of deeper than 20 yards. Yeah. That's, that's, that is a existential seismic shift in the way a football team operates, right? We were not throwing deep passes to the short side of the field on low percentage throws. Uh, we're about to watch a couple of passes and we can go ahead and queue up this next one uh, where we are throwing to the wide side of the field uh, across a body in traffic and the ball is more accurate than pretty much anyone we've seen delivered. Yeah, oh, this isn't even a touchdown. Do you want to break this one down? Because it is a work of art as well. Which, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, are we're we on the, the D-Rob. Yeah, we got it up. It's the, it's yeah. the D-Rob. So, this honestly... I think kind of encapsulates a lot of what he brings. And we were talking about this a minute ago with the Burton touchdown pass, but the touch to work that over a defender and in front of a safety like that is just something that Georgia hasn't had. And, and honestly, from through those sideline passes really well, and that's the type of ball that, that from <laughs> completes. Um, but I mean, this, re- this release, I mean, he, it, he just flicks it, dude. I mean, it's just, I mean, here, I'm going to play it in real time. Watch this. Just, uh. Well, and there were a lot of, and this was one of the throws. I mean, there were a lot of throws where he was throwing with, you know, not, not, uh, not, you know, totally covered, but not a clean pocket. He's got a guy in his face and he can't step into the throw. And so he just sort of like throws it with his torso. No problem. Like, I mean, there's absolutely no velocity issues. And he was probably delivering about 60% of what he could velocity wise. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, that was the other thing that we talked about last week on the Battle Hymnal in preparation for his first start where, you know, I think there has been a lot of questions about his mechanics coming from a lot of different places. And and not saying that those questions aren't aren't valid, but the thing that is really fascinating about him and I think encouraging if you're a Georgia fan is that he can deliver a, a catchable pass and a really good pass from a lot of different slots and and by slots, I mean a lot of different arm angles. And again, like 10 years ago, this is the type of thing that scouts looked at and it was like, Oh, he's not a robot that throws it the same way. Every time that scares me now with as good as defensive ends have gotten in college football in the NFL, you have to have the ability to throw around rushers. And, And he has the ability to do that. And I think that's, Part of the interesting piece of this here is like if if we freeze framed his release on every one of his 38 attempts last night, I think you would see a lot of different stuff. Yeah, that's a perfect play that you're showing right there, Josh, is like that little kind of sidearm off the back foot 
Um, mechanically, is it what a quarterback coach would teach? No, but like, is it effective and is it appropriate and needed at that moment? Yeah, because it it floats over two defenders. Yeah, there. and if you if you'll run that again, if you watch it in slow motion, like he doesn't really put a, a lot of spin on it. He almost like shot puts it though there, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't really matter because like that was the ball he needed to throw. He had a right. dude wide open, and and you know. The, the the axiom of if there's one axiom that defines Todd Munkin's offense, it's you throw and you distribute the ball to open guys. And the open guys have been there schematically the entire year, right? And I think Daniels really, I mean, look, he's throwing off of one foot hopping, right? That is like not how you throw a football, right? It's almost he almost it's like almost like a baseball delivery. But like Daniels is a really good fit for this offense, not just because he's been doing things with air raid components in a lot for a very long time since high school, right? But because this is an offense that wants you to get the ball to the space no matter what. And it's and and I, you know, this Todd Mike's offensives have had guys with wacky deliveries, right? Jameis Winston threw in this offense for a while. Like there, and and I don't really think that Munkin needs a Peyton Manning, right? He doesn't need a dude who's going to stand back there and deliver the ball perfectly every time. He just needs dudes who gets it, get it to the right place. And ultimately JT Daniels doesn't just put the ball at the right place. He does it at an absolutely elite level. Speaking yeah. of which, let's watch this touchdown. Uh, 52. Yeah. Cool. No, I had 50 up. Hang on. 50 is fine. No, no, no. This is elite too. All, all like, of those are fine, honestly. Yeah. 50, 50. Like, like these three, there were three touchdowns that pre- basically should have been Balls that basically should have been touchdowns, and like all three of them were first round pick throws. Like uh, that that throw with with an absolute like an absolutely demonic pump fake that just totally freezes nineteen freezes to- totally moves nineteen inside on that pump fake just like otherworldly. Uh, yeah. But and then you know with the dude in his face can't really uh, has to a little bit shorter on the ball delivers a little bit faster than he wants but he gets a perfect dark on it. He pump fakes down there to Burton at the bottom, moves 12 and 19 on the pump fake, and then just delivers. I mean, like, it's hard short. to throw a ball much better. than I mean, a touch, he had to come for it, come a little bit back for it. But, like, if he has a clean pocket, that's just a touchdown. Yeah. Well, it should have been, so been a touchdown no matter what. I mean, that's like, yeah. yeah I mean, look. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean. And Jackson catches that ball 99 times out of 100. But – I think the other thing that's really exciting as a Georgia fan is like, when was the last time you remember seeing a route tree like this from the offense where uh, a second and long on the 30 yard line, you've got two wide receivers streaking in the end zone and you've got another guy, you know, at a deep depth. It's just impressive. This right here is my favorite play of the night though. I did not expect a dude coming off of a knee surgery. He hadn't played in 16 months to spin out evade two rushers and then nail George Pickens throw, throw Pickens open with like a, a perfect jump ball that is high enough to where he can get it. And nobody else is that like I, real shit right there. Honestly, it's, it's yeah, this play, idea. this is, this is like a, it's, it's very Aaron Rodgers. Like it's just very like, yeah, just shifty enough weird delivery but yeah. sort of just like gets the ball where it needs to go and i'm that's not saying a, he is aaron Rodgers, but that's like, a beautiful comparison though i mean that and yeah we 
I don't, I don't like, I, I, I don't know how to really like quant quantify what I'm trying to say here, but like, I don't give a shit about the NFL. Like, I don't care about it, and it only brings me pain and suffering because I'm an Atlanta fan. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that something that Georgia fans should remember, because I would encourage you not to care about the NFL. But like, <laughs> Jake Fromm, Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Murray, like, these are borderline NFL quarterbacks, amazing college quarterbacks, damn good dogs. Maybe should shut up a little bit more than they do, but like I got no problems with them. But they're not NFL. They're not everyday starting NFL quarterbacks. Right. Like that throw that JT Daniels there made on an incompletion, that is the that is the throw of a like first or second round pick. That is the yeah. throw of a quarterback that is drafted to be the face of a franchise. Like that is, I mean, and if you have this offensive coordinator, this this quarterback next year, and your defense is just mediocre. There's no reason you can't win a national championship. There, right. I mean, like, I, I, absolutely not. Yeah, like I'm, I'm serious, seriously. And and a lot of things have to happen. You ha- you got to get JT to stay. You got to get Munkin to stay. And neither of those are like 100. percent But if that happens, I mean, this that if you project this team forward with three more games under his belt, JT Neal's three more games, a full off season, spring, you know, spring, whatever. Like, there's no it, reason it, that that team can't go blow for blow with Clemson. Yeah, and loses zero wide receivers at the same time. Yeah, and actually and, gets Dominic Blaylock back, gets Arian Smith back, gets Jack Smith, uh, Jackson. Uh, what's his name? Jackson. Rosemary. Yeah, Rosemary yeah. Jackson, which is a great name. Um, gets those dudes back. I mean, that is. I mean, that is maybe not Alabama like proven production, but that's Alabama depth, it right? Is. When you're when your fifth wide receiver is Dominic Blaylock, or <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. Yeah, we get. Seriously. I, yeah, I, I really want to see some actual ten personnel. I mean, hey, yeah. Arian, Arian Smith, ten Arian personnel Smith. with 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 Washington as a tight end is sick. All right, yeah. let's do. Arian Smith was a legit track star, and yeah, he might not do, get snaps next year. All right, let's do fifty-two because this is the end of the game, the end of the, the end of the the plays we're gonna do, but it's worth going out I on. Have one more clip after this, sorry. But, oh, okay, yeah. no problem. Well, here's fifty-two. Okay, like, look. I, I don't know how to be more clear. Like Georgia doesn't win this game without JT Daniels. <laughs> like, and I like, I know that like what I just said is super obvious, but like this throw, I mean, yeah, you know, ja- uh, Jackson just beats him and he, and you know, he throws it maybe a little behind him, but like, I, but, yeah, but he also, doesn't there's ever- not another court. Yeah. There's not another quarterback on the, on the roster that delivers that ball and he doesn't overthrow him. He doesn't airmail it. Like, it's where it needs to be. Well, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have much else. Like, no, I mean, the, I, the takeaway from this throw for me is that like in his press conference last night, before he ever sat down and watched any film or anything like that, a reporter asked him about this play and he was just like, yeah, they were in cover zero. And I saw that and I knew that we were going to score. Um, he was like, you know, I, I knew they were going to blitz me on third and long because we had third and 20 and they were going to try and get in there and make me panic and get the ball out. And I knew if I could stand in there and let our guy clear that we were a touchdown. So that's what we did. And I'm I mean, weep- like, I'm actually to, weeping. Yeah. But to, to, to see that after throwing two passes that should have been touchdowns earlier in the drive and then having a holding penalty that backs you up to third and 20. And he talked about that in the press conference too. He was like, I try not to get, 
too high on the good moments or too low on the bad moments and just like think about the next play. That's some alpha dog, like swashbuckling doc holiday type shit that he is bringing to this team. It is, it's just like, he is a guy that, that everyone on that team is going to follow. And I will say like mechanically, you can kind of see in this shot right here, like he's sort of falling off. Like he almost like baseball pitching. I don't think that he has bad mechanics. I wonder if, you know, three months out from three months more without knee trouble, if that maybe he like delivers that a little bit more cleanly and he just walks into it. I think because I mean, so. you can see his, you can see his hip just really flat, like really flat, like flashes around like and and he sort of almost like his whole the whole right side of his body flips forward, um, which I'm sure is something they're going to address. And, it, and it's not like. I mean, that's not like a negative thing or whatever. It's just like, well, I think I, he's only going to get better is what I'm saying. I agree. And I mean, I think a lot of that also is when you have a receiver that open. Uh, right. Yeah. You hesitate and you don't want to overthrow him. The last clip I do want to look at, because I, I think this actually shows some really good mechanics from him is uh, clip number 21, which is the long, uh, the long pass to Burton down the sideline that set mm -hmm. us up minute drive at the end of the half but like this ball is put into a basket and if you watch how he drives off the back foot here like that's mm -hmm. perfect and with dudes around him like dudes like yeah. like all around him really doesn't have a lot of like like a lot of room to operate at all but yeah really drives off of it yeah so i mean that that i think is like what you want to see on those deep balls is that drive off the back foot and it kind of feels like to me, like on that pass, he had to do it because they were somehow he put that ball in there against a cover three look. So, I mean, they had three high safeties and he somehow yeah. finds window on the sideline. So it's like, you got to have some more zip on that. But I think, well, I mean, he throws it, he throws it to the, into a space, the size of like a telephone book. Right. Like, right, I, I right. mean, like, and so I, I think I, he's not going to drive off that knee unless he has to, but it looks like when he has to, he, he definitely he can, can do it. Yeah. I, I think too, um, and we could talk about, we maybe talk about the defense briefly. Um, but the last thing I do want to point out is not just JT Daniels, but I think the JT Daniels to Jermaine Burton uh, connection is really, um, to me, it's kind of symbolic of Georgia evolving the offense because, you know, like we said, JT Daniels, his delivery is a little bit weird. Uh, he's a little bit of a gunslinger. Like he's way closer to being Patrick Mahomes than he is to being um, Peyton Manning. I'm not saying he's either of those guys, but if he's way closer to Mahomes than he is on the, I think Aaron Rodgers is spot on, dude. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not a traditional like dude in the pocket delivers a perfect ball quarterback. That's not what he does, but that's not what modern football needs, right? And I think Jermaine and Jermaine Burton is a similar guy, right? He's he's not six five. He's not a burner, right? He just runs to the right place. And like wins, he's he's fast enough to get to the right place. He's strong enough to muscle into, you know, to win 50-50 balls. And he runs really clean routes as a freshman. And like, I don't know if you know this, but like Devonta Smith just broke the record for touchdowns in the SEC doing that. Like Devonta yeah. Smith is not a burner. He's and, not six six. And Burton was turning heads early. Like we, that was the one of the first names we heard out of camp. You know, yeah. and it was like he he impressed immediately. And for freshmen, you know, I mean, Pickens had the, the you know, the the highlight, you know, out of practice come out early and he lit it up last year and was great. He didn't drop any balls, but Burton was, you know, a lot of different things were being said about Burton in the, in the preseason that. Well, and, and I think, 
you know, it's like he's not Demonta Smith in terms of like he runs super crisp NFL routes. His feel, though, his feel for when to bend and how to find space and just where to go means he gets open and he's and he doesn't need to be, you know, uh, somebody who runs like a 10 flat on the hundred. Right. He just he's fast enough and strong enough to do it. And like, I, I think that he is a dude who. Like Tavares King and Malcolm Mitchell were wide receivers that didn't get as much play in the NFL probably as they should have because the NFL really wasn't ready for that kind of wide receiver. And I think the NFL really is now. And I think Jermaine Burton is like that model of a guy who's going to do really well. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Burton, you know, for his size is quick, but yeah, he's he's definitely not like a elusive burner type of receiver, but I, I would argue he probably is him or Jackson or is, is the best route runner on the team right now. And I think the thing that's exciting in general is like these guys, have spent, you know, a half season, two thirds of the season in the offense. Now these wide receivers have, and the, the reads that they're making on coverage are night and day compared to where they were in game one and game two in terms of wide receivers stopping when they're supposed to stop going when they're supposed to go and seeing what the quarterback is seeing at the same time. And like the fact that we don't lose anybody out of that wide receiving core and there's already this chemistry, especially between Pickens, Burton and, and Daniels and in his first start is really exciting. And I mean, like if you told me Georgia's going to lose or Georgia's going to run for eight yards, I would probably say, well, Georgia's going to lose. But if you also told me, we're just going to get the ball to George Pickens eight times and Jermaine Burton eight times. I might be like, well, they might win then. Um, so it, it's a different, it's a totally different look. We are getting some tweets. Yeah, yeah, dude. Hot Rod just walked off the off the uh, Packers. I'm told. Yeah, Hot Rod just uh, kicked a, a, bro, bro, a game winner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fuck those motherfuckers too. So, so John tweets sports uh, wants to wants us to talk a little bit about the the running game last night and uh feels like our line didn't go up do you well, guys have concerns about the o-line you know mine's gonna be anecdotal i mean like i said i watched this game at 100 miles an hour I was working last night but it, is it possible is it i'll just throw this question kind of on on the back of john tweet sports is it possible that we went past pro and that we were just not going to let jt get beat up last night and that the run uh, blocking was possibly second, you know, put on the back burner kind of thing, and that we knew we were going to throw the ball, uh, or was it just a just a lack of execution on running plays? And by the way, I mean, like, here's my thing: we he took a lot of sacks last night, and I, when I do my stats, I take out the the sack yards against. I mean, not that we ran the ball great, regardless of sack yards, but I take sack yards and put them on running on passing plays. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a much more accurate way because that's not a running play. But it, and it, that that aside, I mean, you know, late in the game, you know, when you know when we needed a first down, we didn't get it, we didn't score, but we needed first downs. We ran the ball somewhat. We had worn them down. We got some some good runs late in the game, and even on that third and twenty-two after the punt, you know, we got eight yards, and you know, we Kamara pinned them to the ten. So those eight yards mattered. And, you know, that's, you know, X is, and it's real basic football right there. And I, you know, the last, you know, third and 22 or whatever it was, you know, that's, you know, I, I hate that you, I, I mean, I'm, anybody that's watched a football game with me knows I hate third and 22 draw plays, but, you know, sometimes that's how you, you do it. You win the game, but, you know, I, I'm not worried about the running 
attack. I'm not. I'm just not. I, I I think it's similar to the stuff with the quarterback, right? If you throw a lot of talent at a problem, you can usually fix the problem. Mm-hmm. I think that running out of five-man personnel and running a lot of four wide, you're not going to run the ball successfully against eight and nine-man boxes, right? And if you saw the way they were playing, they were playing tight fronts with tight fits, right? And like what that meant was like, at the snap, you had three defensive linemen and each of the three main running gaps. And then you had three r- linebackers fitting running lanes on just about every snap. And like, if I would say that, you know, if the running game does better, you probably don't throw for 400 yards. Right. And I know that sounds stupid, but like, you may not win the game if the running da- game goes better because what we saw was that like Mississippi State said, you're not going to be just running the ball. You're going to have to beat one on one coverage. And then JT Daniels did it. And I mean, like we can nitpick and I would, I mean, I think, uh, I think Schaefer had a really bad game. I think he did not look good. Um, I think, you know, Sawyer looks, has looked steady, but Schaefer and Cleveland at the guards have not looked, have not looked very consistent. And I think that, you know, next year that's not going to be a problem because they're going to be gone. Um, And I think we got a lot of talent and with or without Zeus going forward, ultimately I, I think the best way in the modern in modern college football to have a good running game is to have Trevor Lawrence or JT Daniels or Justin Fields as your as your, as your quarterback. Because if you're gonna have if they're gonna play cover three, you're gonna run the ball a lot and successfully. So I'm not Graham, I, I can't speak for you, but like personally, I'm not that worried about it. No. We're uh, we're uh, we're gonna run the ball. I had to jump Graham, in. Graham, what do you run. think about it? <laughs> I'm not worried about it in the long term um i thought it was a disappointing performance from this offensive line but i do think some context is important like mississippi state has been so bad that everyone just is like oh well they suck and georgia should push them off the ball in all aspects of the game but like their defense has been very very good this year they have a top 10 defense nationally and a lot of that the strength of that defense is in the running game. And if I was Mike Leach and I was writing up a game plan, I would say we got a guy starting that no one's seen play in over a year. And we don't even know if he's healthy. We're going to make him beat us. And that's what they did. And they loaded up eight and nine man boxes, but there were some, some busts in the run blocking that like just should never happen. Like there was a few times where Trey Hill, basically had a guy like come across either shoulder of him like that shouldn't happen and i think that they'll get that fixed but in general it's like i look at georgia football it's like we're we're rbu right like we are going to run the ball and the o-line is maybe not in the beginning of the season but like by the end of the year the o-line is almost always a strength of a georgia football team and as you guys both said we've recruited the position exceptionally well so I think it's fine in the long, like in the long run. And also I highly doubt you'll see South Carolina come out next week and load up the box with eight or nine guys because JT Daniels has proven that if you do that, you're going to get punished for it. And so at this point, it's just really going to be a, a pick your poison kind of thing for defenses. And that's exciting because really, you know, if you look at the rest of the season and a lot of the games we've played, if anyone else had shut us down like that in the running game, Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis or whoever else would have been back there besides Daniels did not have the ability to to go and win the game like that. So I, I think that's the big takeaway for me. Um, the defense, I know, like there's people talking about that as well. 
I have some gripes with the game plan, and I know Josh, you have some stats on linebackers and pass coverage this year, but like I think a lot of like my issue with the linebackers and pass coverage was not really an issue with their individual play. It was the scheme that they were put in where they were dropping back 15 yards at the snap. But ultimately, like when it came down to it in the fourth quarter and really throughout most of the second half, like Georgia got stops and Georgia did what they needed to do. But um, we, we were doing really weird things on the front last night. Like until the fourth quarter, we did not have Ojolari, um, Carter, and Anderson, like, or I'm sorry, and Herring. Like, we didn't have our usual front three out there at any point in time until the fourth quarter. And then once we put those guys out there, Anderson immediately got, yeah, yeah, that was the game out. All right, let's let's do. We're running long, but let's do it. I mean, I got time on my hands finally, so maybe we'll just do some like a, a a real short breakdown on some of that the defensive stuff later on this week. If you're up for that, Graham. Yeah, totally. Yeah, let's do I, that. I, we can do that as part of our uh, South Carolina preview. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been the Battle Hymnal. I am Nathan J. Lawrence, uh, co-proprietor and host of the Chapel Bell Curve, uh, the podcast version of what you're watching right now. Uh, you can find what we just talked about, if you want it in an auditory fashion for some reason, at the Chapel Bell Curve on any podcast platform of your choice. Uh, I was joined today by Josh Hancher at dog underscore scouts on Twitter, our stats aficionado and producer extraordinaire, and by Graham Coffey, who at Dog Out West on Twitter and Dog Out West on Dog Sports. He wrote some really good stuff this weekend, and you should go check it out. Uh, we will catch you in a few days for our USC preview, and hopefully we will not catch you in Columbia on the Saturday after Thanksgiving because that sounds awful. But mm-hmm. until then, go dogs. Good dog. Heisman. <laughs> That's not